appreciate that good singing today, and uh, got a chair today, so hopefully I'll not almost pass out again, and uh, appreciate your prayers this week. I am doing much better, and uh, still not 100%, but much better, so uh, just continue to pray, and uh, the Lord's help and uh, your prayers, uh, we'll, we'll make it through, but uh, Today we're going to skip ahead in the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to look at Mark 14. Appreciate uh, the beautiful singing today, that uh, special song, as as Leslie said, I I volunteer for a lot of things, and uh, that song uh, came across uh, my radio one day, and I said, you know what, that'd be a good song for Palm Sunday, and uh, I said, you know, I could sing it, but they'd rather hear Leslie sing it. So, uh, and I, I think I'm right with that. So, uh, you know, and so, but I'm so thankful. Amen. I'm so thankful uh, for the cross, and that though I'm so unworthy, and though you're so unworthy, Jesus, by the way of the cross, made a way that we could have eternal life, and that we could find victory. Uh, in Jesus that we sang about this morning. Uh, And this morning we're going to look at uh, an event that takes place um, starting uh, just right before uh, Easter. So this week, uh, where some people made some decisions. You know, the reality is no matter what you think about Jesus and what he did on the cross, no matter what you think about church or religion, the reality is that every single person has to decide what they're going to do with Jesus Christ. It is a decision that nobody can make for you, that you have to make for yourself. I wish as a pastor that God left it up to preachers because we would want everybody uh, to get saved. We would have everybody in church and we'd have everybody living like they're supposed to and things would just be glory. But it's not up to us. Uh, It is up to each individual. And so we're going to meet some folks today that had some very different choices about what they did uh, with Jesus. So let's take a look, beginning in verse 1 of Mark chapter 14. After two days, it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him, meaning Jesus, by trickery and put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. And she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? 
She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not always have. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint me uh, my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world that this woman has done will also be told as memorial to her. And then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. have several things to point out about these short verses, these short 11 verses this morning from Mark chapter 14. But I think, you know, as we get ready to celebrate Easter next week, I think it's important that today and all throughout this next week we remember why Easter was a day of victory. And why it's something for us to celebrate. A, a week that started on Palm Sunday when uh, what we celebrate is Palm Sunday today. Uh, just after this uh, event uh, takes place, Jesus heads from Bethany and goes to uh, Jerusalem. And as he enters Jerusalem, you remember people lie in the streets and they wave palm branches and uh, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest, and uh, celebrated Jesus. Seems like that was a good thing. And yet many of those very same people were in a crowd five days later saying, crucify him. Crucify him, because they didn't really want to worship Jesus. And they really didn't recognize him as Lord and Savior. They got caught up in emotionalism and they got caught up in the moment and the hype of what was going around in the community that day. But there were some whose lives had been changed by this man named Jesus. There were some that everybody else had forgotten about. And we're outcasts in society, and yet we find Jesus hanging out with those people. That's one of the things these uh, Pharisees and uh, scribes and high priests criticized Jesus for. Was he hung out with the wrong kind of people. He hung out with sinners. And Jesus reminded them, you, you may remember, if you don't, you'll know now, because I'm going to tell you. So you know what? People that are healthy don't need a doctor. But people that are sick. And so lots of things that we find here in the story. The first thing I want us to talk about just a minute this morning is a reminder that Jesus welcomed the outcasts. We find Mary Magdalene, a, a woman who... Uh, in all likelihood, was a prostitute. She was a woman that had a very poor reputation, and yet Jesus changed her life. 
Another outcast that we meet in the story is Simon the leper. We don't have much leprosy going around in our world today. We don't know really much about it. It's not the same, but in the culture of Jesus' day, somebody that had leprosy was an outcast. They were had to move to the outskirts of town and couldn't hang around with anyone. And they had, as they walked down streets, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean, and people would get far away from them. So Simon the leper, we meet him earlier in the Gospels and Jesus meets him and his hand is withered and he's got these white spots which was the telltale sign of leprosy and he meets Jesus and Jesus makes him whole. He heals him of his leprosy. But he's referred to as Simon the leper. He wasn't the leper anymore. He had been healed. But society had cast him out and said, once a leper, always a leper. Well, we, in our culture, again, it's not leprosy that we got cast outside, but maybe it's people that have been convicted of crimes. Or maybe people that have diseases people that uh, choose sinful lifestyles that are contrary to God's word and God's design. People that maybe dress differently than we do or style their hair differently than we do or wear different clothes than we do. You see, Jesus sets an example for us and reminds us that he welcomed out. Those people that were different, those are the very people Jesus wanted to hang around. And the reality is that every single one of you, whether you want to admit it or not, at one point in your life was an outcast. There was a point in your life where you didn't know Jesus Christ and you were headed down a a, a road that was going to lead to eternal damnation to a place called hell. And Jesus, by some circumstance, came into your life. And he changed you. And maybe you're here today and you've not had that change happen just yet. But it can because Jesus welcomes the outcast. I invited someone to church one time and she she had said to me, you know, I don't uh, have any, all I have with me, she was up from my town and uh, said, all I have with me are pants. I wouldn't feel comfortable going to church. Well, obviously, that's not an issue for our church, but sadly, it is for some. That we care more about outside appearances than we do people's hearts and the condition of their soul. And Lord, help us and forgive us for that. Thankfully, Jesus loves everybody. And thankfully, the power of the gospel is that Jesus' resurrection can change absolutely anyone no matter how rotten they are no matter how undeserving they are Jesus welcomes everyone and by the way church if Jesus welcomed everyone and loved everyone the reaction of that or the application of that is if we're God's people 
and we're the followers of Jesus that we claim to be, that means we welcome everyone too. That we love everyone, even those that have earrings stuck in their nose and in their lip and have tattoos and pink hair, or, you know, half head of no hair and half, you know, spiky hair, or, you know, clothes that are crazy. Jesus welcomed everybody because he knew that everybody needed salvation. That everyone, every human being on this planet that's ever been born has been born with this disease called sin that separates us from God. And the only cure for it was sinless blood that none of us have. And so on Good Friday, which will be this week, Jesus gave his life and surrendered his life, shed his innocent blood on a cross of Calvary. So not only did that thief that hung next to him, but me and you and whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Jesus loved to hang around outcasts. A sad sentiment has been true probably for much of church's history when they say that 11 o'clock is the most segregated hour in America. It's true of our church. I think it's true of most churches. I think for most churches, at least in our culture today, it's not intentional. There's something about human beings that we flock together with people that are like us. People that are different from us make us uncomfortable. But here's the thing, Jesus didn't care about his comfort. He cared about those outcast souls. And so he went to people that were very different than him. Who was different than Jesus? Everyone! He was God. He was perfect and he was sinless. And he went and he hung around with people that were outcasts. But here's the thing, and here's the key that we absolutely have to remember. Jesus went to the outcasts. But when Jesus met them, if they were willing, he was willing that they wouldn't be outcasts anymore. You see, he said, you come as you are. But they left changed. They left very different. This man Simon the leper would never have dreamed of having company in his house. And yet, Jesus, the Savior of the world, his 11 disciples and probably some others, were here gathered in Simon's house in Bethany. Because Jesus had changed him. So Jesus welcomed the outcasts, but he didn't leave them the way that he found them. He changed him. Can I tell you that if you have a true encounter with Jesus, it will change you. You will not be the same. Now that doesn't mean all of a sudden you're perfect and holy and you don't sin anymore. No, I wish that was true too. But it's not. But you are changed. You're not what you once were. Because you've been given new life by a Lord and Savior whose name is Jesus Christ. 
And so Jesus will receive anyone. But understand, he invites you to come just as you are, but you will not leave just as you came. And here's the thing. There's some that want to say to the church, just God loves everybody, and the reality, he does. He does love everybody. But he does not excuse or put blinders on regarding sin and living contrary to his demands. We're told several times throughout the scriptures this command, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. God is concerned about sin. And he will welcome sinners. But can I tell you that when sinners come in contact with Jesus, they're changed. The good news for all of us is that Jesus will receive us no matter what we've done, but the bad news is he won't leave us like we came. He will change us. And we need to understand that. And if you think you can sit in church and say, yeah, I serve Jesus, and you can sing the songs, and you can know all the right terms, and yet there's no, been no change in your life, you've not met Jesus. You may have met something masquerading as Jesus, but you've not met Jesus. Because Jesus changes you. And it's not an overnight change. That process does start immediately. But God works it throughout our entire life, bringing about this process we call sanctification, where we're being made into the image of Christ. And so the second point this morning is this, that contact with Jesus demands a decision. We meet a lot of people in these 11 verses that made some decisions about Jesus. We meet Pharisees and scribes and a high priest that had met Jesus and knew all the miracles they was doing and had seen people whose lives had been changed and healed. Saw people who were demon-possessed. We talked about last week. This man had 2,000 demons that were you know, destroying his life and one Savior defeated all those thousands of demons. And those in religious power knew that Jesus threatened their authority. And they didn't like it. And so they made the decision to get rid of him. And in fact, justified breaking some of the commandments to do it. Say, so yeah, let's lie and bring false accusations against him and let's kill him. Then we meet Simon who welcomed Jesus into his home. He understood the grace because he had been so changed. As they were sitting, probably having a fellowship meal, uh, as us Baptists especially are prone to do, in walked this ragtag lady named Mary off the street. And she takes this vial of oil of perfume. And she breaks this alabaster box that held this perfume and took this oil and anointed Jesus' head and uh, the Gospel of Matthew says his feet and say, well, which is it? It's likely both. Just 
two writers picked up on two different aspects of the same thing taking place. Her life had been changed, so she gave what was probably the most expensive possession she had and gave it to this man that had changed her life so completely. Well, some of the disciples, at least one we know is Judas, the treasurer, and we know his concern was not for the poor, it was because he was skimming some off the top and uh, was not an honest person, said, why is this lady wasting this perfume? We could have sold that. It was worth a, almost an entire year's worth of wages. Or it could have been sold and given to the poor. And Jesus' response is quite telling. He says, leave her alone. She has done what she could. And by the way, that's what Jesus asks us to do. Jesus asks us to do what we can. But we need to understand that we can do a lot more through Christ than we think we can. These two made a decision to follow Jesus, and so they were... And you know some of you, you know how expensive makeup is even today. You don't just dole it out to anybody. The expensive stuff, you don't let grandkids just go in and get your makeup and flop it all over every, every, themselves and everywhere else. You keep that stuff, you know, hidden in the drawer. Maybe you even got a lock for it, I don't know. And yet this woman gave this to Jesus as a gift, as an act of worship. She understood something the other even the disciples, these men that had walked with Jesus, and something they didn't understand. They still don't get that Jesus is going to die. But this lady understood what Jesus had told her. No question, God had revealed it to her. And so she responded. And then we meet this fellow named Judas. He'd walked with Jesus, knew all the right words, knew the right actions, had a position of authority within the group of the disciples. He was their treasurer. He made the decision to betray Jesus. He made the decision to look out for his own interests. And he made the decision to go to the high priest and say, hey, listen, I'll betray him for you. For 30 pieces of silver. And so, Fred, I want to understand as I began this morning by reminding us that every one of us has to decide what we're going to do about Jesus. And we have to decide it for ourselves. The preacher can't decide it for us. Mom and dad can't decide it for us. Grandma and grandpa can't decide it for us. We have to decide 
it for ourselves. And I think at, in closing, there's two things that we need to ask, that we need to decide. And the first is this. We're, we have to decide for ourselves, how are we going to treat other people? How are we going to treat people that are different than us? How are we going to treat people who are crippled? People that are of a different skin color? People that speak a different language? People that dress differently? Are we going to shun them? Are we going to walk to the other side of the street and ignore them? Or are we going to walk are we going to let them know that Jesus loves them and we do too the disciples had to make that decision the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees had to make that decision Simon and Mary had to make that decision. And every one of us has to make that decision too. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus and you're going to be the person that God intends for you to be, you are going to treat other people with dignity and respect, even those you disagree with. Even those that are different than you. There's so much animosity and hatred and evil in our world today. And that is not of God. But sadly, some of that is coming from God's people. For people that say they're God's people. And Lord, help us and forgive us for that. The reality is how we treat others says much about our relationship with God. Because you see, if you had this leprosy and you were an outcast, and this man named Jesus came and healed you so you could be part of society again and you were made whole. Or you were Mary and nobody wanted to be your friend. Everybody thought you were nothing but a low-down scoundrel. But this man named Jesus came and talked with you and treated you with dignity and respect and changed your life. Or others that we've met already and as we've looked through the gospel of Mark like the leper or the paralyzed man whose friend brought him to Jesus and Jesus made him whole and he could walk. Do you think those folks treated people the way they did before they met Jesus? I guarantee not. They may have been loving and gracious people before, but when they met Jesus and their life was changed, they became even more gracious and even more loving. Those that are outcasts, whatever that may be for us, Jesus said, you go and you love them. And cast your net out to them and catch them, that they would be outcasts no more but they would find new life in Christ. So that's the first decision.
contacts with Jesus demands. But there's a second one. And this one is so much more important. How are we going to treat Jesus? If you're here today and you say you're a Christian, that means you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But do you treat Him like that? Or do you treat Him more like a visiting step-uncle that comes around occasionally? Is He the boss? Is He the CEO of your life? Or is He someone that you occasionally will go to when times get tough? Or is He someone you'll plot against? I tell you, there's people, unfortunately, that use church as stepping stones for their career. They come to church to sell insurance or to what they can get out of other people. That's not of God. Do we treat Jesus as if he's our Lord and Savior, as he's done something in our life? Mary Magdalene gave this, again, probably the most expensive thing she had in her life, and she gave it to this man named Jesus. And the reality is sometimes we don't even give Jesus an hour of our week or a dollar of our treasure. And friends, can I tell you that you're not saved by what you give, or how often you come to church. But if you're a child of God and Jesus has changed your life, you know what you do? You give. And you gather together with God's people to worship Him. And you love others. And you serve others because that's what Jesus has done for you. And if Jesus has done that for you, and if He's your Lord and Savior, then that means you do that for others. So Jesus says, it's time to pick your side. Judas picked his. He regretted it, by the way, at the end of the story. Martha picked her side. Simon picked his side. Friend, have you picked your side? And once you pick your side, you don't waffle. When you pick your side, you pick it. And you stay on your side. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, thank you that you love us even while we were outcasts. Thank you that you love everyone so much that you came and lived a perfect and sinless life, though you were treated so poorly. And ultimately those that were your people spit on you and turned their back on you and cried out for your life. And Lord, yet you came and you prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And you shed your innocent blood that their sin debt and my sin debt and the sin debt of all the whosoever's would be paid.
Lord, on this Palm Sunday, we are reminded of the great sacrifice that you made for us. And Lord, you call us to pick a side. You call us to serve you and to love as you love. And give grace as you've given us grace. And forgive as you have forgiven us. Lord, that is hard to do sometimes. Lord, help us to cast a net toward the outcasts. Lord, help us to reach our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, may Pearl, Mississippi experience such a change by what you have done in their lives that even this community is no longer the same. And Lord, the reality is it's got to start somewhere and it might as well start here at 2412 Upper Drive. Lord, forgive us when we fail you. Forgive us when we make wrong decisions of how we treat you and how we treat others. God, let your spirit work in our life that the love of Christ comes flowing through us that people, we don't have to open our mouths and say a word that people are drawn to us so that they might be drawn to you. Lord, if there's one here today that's never received you, they've never received this free gift of salvation, whether in this auditorium or watching on the internet, would you help them today to receive the free gift that you gave on the cross of Calvary. And Lord, for those that are here that are your children, would you help them to be reminded that they've picked a side. Lord, may they be found on your side. May they treat others as you would treat others. And more importantly, may they treat you the way that you are worthy of as our Lord and Savior. There's one here today that needs to make a decision for you. Would you help them to do that? We pray as we sing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and if we're going to sing.